147 and 1. Let's read it together in audible voice uh, because it's a short one but powerful one. Psalm 147 says, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely or appropriate. It is good to sing praises unto God. Father, thank you for the service so far. Thank you for your presence so far. Thank you for your word that we've already read and we'll be looking forward uh, into it even more. Bless our time tonight in your word. Touch our hearts. Open our ears and our minds to receive. In Christ's name, everybody say amen. If you love the Lord, God bless you. You can be seated. Something to sing about. Oh, how many's got something to sing about in here tonight? I uh, was thinking, notice on your study guide, the very first statement I want to say is that true Christianity is a singing faith. True Christianity is a singing faith. It's one of the chief things followers of Christ are known for, both down through the ages, all around the world. And while singing may vary from culture to culture, uh, anthropologists tell us that regardless of how primitive people groups may be, they've never found a people group that didn't have some form of singing and song. So to be human is to sing, basically. And whether it's from the Gregorian chants to the contemporary worship songs, most churches today uh, still devote about one-third of their service time to singing, right? Why? Why do we sing? What does our singing accomplish? What purpose does it fulfill? Notice on your study guide, according to Scripture, God created and called us to sing for three principal reasons. Singing helps us praise, pray, and proclaim the gospel. Lord willing, I want to unpack that simple summary tonight uh, as we make our way through this psalm. But have you noticed how many psalms actually deal with singing? Really? I mean, you'll find it all through the book of Psalms. Really, the book of Psalms is the songbook of the Bible. Uh, Psalm 511, 9-2, 51-14, 59-16, 63-7. All those chapters and verses have to do with singing. And so I hope to answer these questions like, why does God desire his people to sing? Why, what, what role does singing perform in the believer's life? What, what is it about worshiping through our songs that, that's so important to God? You know, I hope to answer some of these questions tonight as we kind of just take our time as we go through this uh, psalm. Now, the fact is the Bible contains, guess, guess what? It has over 400 Okay, references to singing. Somebody tell me how many? 
Singing reminds us of several important truths about God, and tonight we're going to point them out, put a finer point on them. We find them in this Psalm 147. Okay, so we're going to look, first of all, at verses 1 through 2. Okay, we read verses 1, or verse 1. Let's read verse 2. Uh, The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. Okay, So the first point on your study guide is we sing and this psalmist sung because he saw God as a builder. Folks, have you ever been amazed by the creation? Awed. By the glory of the universe. Scientists continue to search for the source of all that exists, and yet we are told clearly God was the creator of it all. His handiwork calls upon us to praise Him. How? In song. In song, during the changing seasons, we, we get to look upon the glorious multicolored glory of God and, and note that God designed the beauty of the earth for our enjoyment and to prompt us to song, right? The writer of this psalm said he sings because God was a builder, but More specifically, what was he building? He was rejoicing because God had built the nation of Israel. Hello? He had established the city of Jerusalem. The epicenter. The city of Jerusalem reminds us of a new Jerusalem. In the book of Revelation that's described there, a city coming down from heaven built by God. Okay? So God in this psalm built Jerusalem. How many know He's building the new Jerusalem right now? But He's a builder. What else does God Build. What else has he built through history? Well, another thing is he's built his church. How many's glad to be part of the church? You know, uh, we read in Matthew 16, 18, one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall what? Not prevail against it. Listen, satanic powers have sought to destroy the church since it was birthed in the upper room. But instead, guess what? The Lord's people have continued plundering hell to populate heaven. And no wonder churches are known for their singing. For we raise up our song to the captain of our salvation who is still building his church. Right? He is preparing Not only has he built his church, but now he's building a place for every one of us who are saved. Why? Because he's a builder. 
John 14, 1 through 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, that means I'm going to build it. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, what's he say? There you're going to be also. Right? Somebody say, yeah, he's still building. So we sing because he's a builder. And what he builds... It's going to stand forever. It's going to remain under His control. And if we sang only for that point alone, folks, we could sing for eternity. Hello. Amen, Pastor. But listen, we need need to look at another reason here in the psalm to sing. Verse 3. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. So number two, we sing because He is a healer. How can anyone doubt that God still heals? I began to think first and foremost, He designed us with healing in our physical nature. Hey folks, our body is a healing factory. In fact, if God removed our immune system, we'd all die within hours, days, or weeks. Hmm? Our body is constantly healing us of, of life-threatening disease or, or issues. In speaking on healing and singing, I just began to look at some of the health benefits of singing. Did you ever think about them? We're told that singing improves our mental sharpness. I could use a little bit of that. Singing lowers our blood pressure. I could use a little bit of that. Huh? Singing's good for the lungs. Singing helps reduce depression. Feelings of loneliness. They actually say people who sing have healthier immune systems. They said singing can improve your sleep, not singing in your sleep. But it can assist you in getting a good night's rest. It benefits our hearts by improving circulation. They say sinuses and respiratory tubes are opened up after you sing. Singing can cause the release of of pain-relieving endorphins, which is the body's natural pain reducer. Our immune system is given a boost, enabling us to fight. It helps reduce anger, anxiety. So we sing because God is our healer. That's what the psalmist says. God steps in at times to heal beyond our body's natural gift to heal. How many has ever been healed? I mean healed by the Lord. Look at the hands. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift that cometh down. Listen, that would show us that even 
I think we can look at modern medicine as being a gift from God. Right? Scientists devote their lives to discovering how our bodies work and how to devise medicines and machines to help heal us and keep us healthy. Then on occasion though, even beyond that, God Himself can step in and heal just with the touch of His hand. Praise God! And within His will and by His power, He at times directly superimposes a miracle of healing upon our lives. Listen, that is something worth singing about. And whenever God's healed you, you shouldn't forget about it. Hello? When was the last time you praised Him for a healing? Huh? Oh, it's been so long ago. That doesn't matter. Huh? If that issue was to come back, you'd go running back to him in a hurry. Hello. But however, church, God's greatest healing is when he healed us from our sins. Hello. The Bible refers to the subject of spiritual healing over and over and over again. Every person in this room who is saved has experienced the greatest healing possible. The healing of a sin-sick soul. And anyone here, if you're here tonight and you're unsaved, be assured that the healer is in the house. And he's able and ready to forgive. How many know he can still cleanse you? You've got to come to Him by faith. Praise God. All right, where are we at? Number three? Okay, verses four and five. He telleth the number of stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power His understanding is infinite. All right, so number three, we sing because He is all-knowing. God knows exactly how many stars are in the heavens. And can you imagine this? He's named every one of them. Huh? Think about that. Because in the past, NASA has determined that there's millions, not just stars, but galaxies in the heavens that are previously been unknown to man until the telescope came along and then they began to be revealed. Each galaxy contains billions of stars all its own. Listen, we have no idea how many stars exist. We don't know how many universes exist beyond this one. But God knows every galaxy Every universe, every star by name. And when we think of His knowledge, it should not surprise us that He knows us personally and cares about us personally. Amen. He knows our name. And guess what? The number of hairs on our head, which for me is getting less every day. <laughs> Who knows? He may even have a name for every hair on our head. Huh? Our text says God's understanding is infinite, unlimited. Hello. There are no surprises to God. He knows the past, He knows the present, and He knows the future. 
that's something worth singing about. Right? It's more than enough reason to praise God for His wisdom. More than enough reason to praise Him for His infinite understanding. All right, number four. Numbers, uh, verses 6 through 11. Let me, let me read this. It's a little more lengthy here. The Lord lifteth up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises upon the harp unto our God, who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the best, excuse me, to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him, in those that hope in His mercy. Number, was it number four we're at? We sing because He is a sustainer. Huh? We read here, God has sustained and is sustaining His entire creation. Did you know in each apple, there's enough seeds for an entire new orchard? Huh? Bees make more honey than they could possibly ever use. There is enough pollen in each tree to start a forest larger than the one the tree is growing in presently. God loves, hey, check this out, God loves to go overboard. When He makes things and supplies their needs. God has created a world where no one needs to go hungry. Did you know that? Do you know it's man that causes starvation? It's politics. Hello. It's selfishness that causes little children to go to sleep crying for food at night. All over the world. God made a world in which... All we need is available if only we bring ourselves to know Him, love Him, and follow Him. And act toward each other the way He's instructed us to act. See, verse 10 tells us, God takes no pleasure in the legs of man. What does that mean? That simply means God's not impressed with our strength. What it takes like wealth to prop us up and hold us up or uh, we're standing on the legs of our great accomplishments or our own strength. Listen, God's never been impressed by our own accomplishments. It is He who sustains us. He's the one that's really holding us up. Amen. That's a reason to sing. Okay i got to hurry. Say, hurry, Pastor. We don't want to be here all night. Okay, number five. We sing because... Oh, 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 I don't want to tell you yet. i got to read verses 12 through 14. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. For He hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. He hath blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders and filleth thee with the finest of wheat. We sing because, here's number five, He is our protector. Hello. We don't have to live in fear. Our God never forsakes His own. 
I said, our God never forsakes His own. Those who trust Him have His protection, has His provision. He holds us in His hand. He keeps the enemy from gaining victory over us. He gives us what we need when we need it, so we do not have to go out into the world to find true satisfaction. See, notice verse 13. It talks about the bars upon our gates. That's security. Hello? That's what that means. The wheat, in verse 14, the wheat within our walls will satisfy us. That speaks of God's ability to protect us, but also provide for us. He protects us from hunger. Sadly, many people are singing the blues because they go outside the walls, quote-unquote, to find what is available in their own backyard, so to speak, because lust and greed and selfishness and envy drive many to seek the joy, and, and in the end, it takes all the joy of God away from them, really, doesn't it? I mean, but may we renew our hearts to sing to the Lord because He is our provider. He is our protector. All right? Number six, verses 15 through 18. He sendeth forth His commandment upon the earth. His word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth His ice like morsels. Who can stand before His cold? Boy, we kind of know what that's about here in northern Ohio. He sendeth out His word and melteth them. He causeth His wind to blow, and the waters flow. What is this talking about? We sing number six because He is a commander. Yeah. The psalmist says God speaks with the voice of authority. He can order the snow to fall one day and order it to melt the next. Huh? Interestingly, it is said, you remember, it is said of Christ that he spoke as one having what? Authority. That's the way God speaks. He calls to each of us. Come to him. Take his yoke upon us. Have rest. He commands each believer to go into all the world Proclaim the good news of the gospel. Disciple those that are willing to hear it. Listen, we sing to him because he's called us and he blesses us with his voice of authority. I've heard that voice, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Number seven. Finally, the psalmist says in verses 19 through 20, he showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they've not known them. Praise ye the Lord. So number seven, we sing because he is a revealer. The psalmist concludes with the truth that God declares his word to his people. He is a speaking God. 
He speaks and he works. His word is the only real, lasting, forever truth in this world. Hello. Somebody say, I can trust it. I can believe it. I can share it. Yeah. Wow. So there's seven reasons why the psalmist that wrote 147 says it's a good thing to sing unto the Lord. Hmm? So notice on your handout, singing is commanded in Scripture. What does that mean? Well, it simply means singing isn't an option. It's a command. God's people are more than just invited to sing. We are commanded to sing. Hello. When we sing, we are doing what God asks of us. Hmm? Singing just isn't optional. It's not just an upgrade for the deeper Christians. Huh? It isn't a suggestion. The Bible commands us, sing unto the Lord. His glory, I was thinking of this, His glory compels us to sing. There's a reason music and singing in church is a huge part of every time we come together. It's because it's commanded in Scripture. Hmm? Number two. Singing in church matters because our God is a singing God. I like the verse in Matthew 26, 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So you got to understand, right here is before Christ was given up to be crucified, He sang with His disciples. Yeah. Zephaniah three seventeen says, The Lord thy God... In the midst of thee is mighty, and he will joy over thee with singing. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Praise God. Number three. So singing in the church matters because, number three, singing engages our memories. I was going to say something else there, but I forgot. Never mind. The songs we sing shape us and form us primarily because we start remembering them. Hmm? Hopefully they stick with us. Preaching revival down at OBI a few months back, sitting there on the platform beside Brother Taylor during the worship service, and, and they didn't have a book there, and so I was just kind of following along. And, uh, but Brother Taylor said, I'd, I'd pass you a hymn book, but... We ought to know these songs. We've been singing them for 30 years. How true that is. Right? Through joyful times, dark times, these hymns, these songs, these choruses that we sing have provided us with an anchor of hope. Hmm? 
How many times have you been in a real sticky situation? You need God to move. You need a word from the Lord. And a song comes on the radio. Just the right song. Just the right time. And you say, thank you, Lord. It's like an anchor of hope. Right? Is that just me? No. Number four, we sing. Church matters, or excuse me, singing matters in the church because number four, singing not only engages our memories, but engages our emotions. Worship is more than just agreeing with theology. C.S. Lewis said, and I quote, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. See, while we don't want to worship emotionalism, singing and worship helps us find the best outlet for our emotions. It compels us to sing. Number five, singing is an overflow of seeing God's work. Right? It has been said that a healthy church is a singing church. Because the overflow of seeing God at work is to praise Him for His vast excellencies. And, and the more we sing, the more we want to sing and be in the presence of such an amazing God. Singing is the overflow of seeing God work. Is this making sense? Because number six, singing unifies a congregation. Scientists tell us that all the benefits of singing, you know, that I mentioned earlier, are measurably increased, amplified by group singing. Group singing connects us to people who we're singing with. Listen, just like uh, if you walk long enough with someone, you naturally begin to synchronize your footsteps to theirs. Hmm? Likewise, singing syncs us up with each other. If you really want to maximize health benefits, sing with other people. Singing in church unifies. It's the best way to bring together a group of people from diverse backgrounds and experiences and focus them on the single goal of lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? Number seven, singing is a battle plan. Do you know when we sing, we make war? A singing heart is a heart that's at war with the work of evil and the power of sin. Worship is the way we do war as believers. huh? I said worship is the way we do war. We don't face our giants and fight our battles in our own strength. We simply lift up the name of Jesus and we watch Him work. He is our breakthrough. He is our answer. God has appointed the use of songs and singing as an effective weapon against the enemy. Hmm? Mary Slosser worked for years as a missionary in China. She, she used to say, and I quote, I sing the doxology and dismiss the devil. Amy Carmichael, missionary to India, she said, and I quote, I truly believe that Satan cannot endure it and slips out of the room when there is a true song sung. I like that. Huh? If we want spiritual victory over the enemy, one way to get it is to sing our way there. It is. Second Chronicles, remember that?
find one of the most unusual battle plans in all of Israel's history. They ambushed their enemy with, with music and song. They sang before, during, and after that battle. Remember that? How many know we can do the same? I said we can do the same. When you feel discouraged, huh? sing shout to the Lord. Huh? When you feel like quitting, sing great is thy faithfulness. I feel the Holy Ghost. When you feel empty inside, sing come thou fount. Huh? When you are challenged by the impossible, sing oh how great thou art. How great thou art. When you feel overwhelmed with guilt, sing wonderful, merciful Savior. When you're hungry to know God better, sing that hymn as the deer panteth for the water. Huh? The power of song. All parents, you need to sing so your children hear you. Hello. Grandparents, you need to sing so your grandchildren can hear you. Teach your children, teach your grandchildren to sing hymns and gospel songs and choruses. They don't need to hear you sing some rock song or some country blues. Hello. They need to hear you sing of the goodness of God. So go ahead, go ahead. You say, I only sing when I'm in the shower. Go ahead and sing in the shower. But when it's worship time here in the service, when the words flash across the screen, don't hold back. Hello. You stand up and you sing with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because why? It drives the devil nuts. Hello. And then when he's driven nuts, keep on singing because then you can drive him away. Right? Because he hates the music that God loves. Satan hates a singing church. So sing out loud and clear and give the devil, go ahead, give him a migraine. Because singing can bring a new strength to your spiritual walk. It does. Singing can bring new power into that spiritual battle you're fighting. Singing can build up your faith. Singing can strengthen the whole church. Hello. God loves it. The devil hates it when we sing to the glory of God. Huh? So go ahead and sing. You just might find the Lord fighting your battles. Hello. Number eight. Singing is a way for us to teach God's truth. Hey, folks. Truth is, our song service here at Broadway is more than a warm-up for the sermon. It's more than filler in the outline of the service. Colossians 3.16. Let me read it to you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now look how it says to do this. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, Spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So the Apostle Paul, notice this on your study guide, informs us that singing stands alongside of preaching as one of the two great ways that God has ordained for His Word to dwell richly in each of us. 
Oh, is that making sense? One pastor calls church singing, quote, take home theology. Because the best songs we sing together serve as a three-minute, four-minute, easy, memorizable, deeply biblical summary of the important truths of Scripture. Hello. I'm not saying every song that's sung in churches is that way. Some of those songs get on my nerves. They're nothing more than Jesus is my boyfriend songs. Hello. I'm talking about songs like, In Christ Alone. Well, you can get some good, deep theology from that. Hello. Scripture teaches us that God's Word is ministered among His people, not just through Bible reading, not just through preaching, but also through singing. Oh, friends, I don't think that the teaching value of singing is appreciated as much these days as it should. I believe it's a little underrated. But singing is a powerful form of teaching ministry. For some churches, singing is just a way to pump up the crowd and entertain them. But listen, it's not that. It is to be a teaching session. It really is. Now let me speak to somebody. Maybe... Maybe not you, but maybe it's the person that'll hear this some other time. Maybe it is you. But let me speak tenderly to anyone who has the tendency to come in late and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to get there in, <clears throat> in time for the speaker. You, you say, I'm going to get there late and I can avoid the singing. Because you're just coming for the preaching or the teaching. Listen, the teaching portion of the service doesn't begin when the preacher gets up here to preach. Hello? The teaching portion of the service is happening throughout our singing. There's almost no better way that we can teach ourselves good theology, fill our hearts with truth, than to sing great worship songs. So the Apostle Paul tells us the Word of Christ dwells in us richly through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, and the psalmist declares it, I'll sing. He said, I'm going to sing. You know, sometimes I see people in our worship service who, who, you know, we stand oftentimes during the singing, and so they simply shift from one foot to the other and never lift a voice to the Lord. Perhaps they feel they can't sing well enough to join in. Listen to me. The Lord hears you, and He loves to hear you sing. And when He hears you, He doesn't hear the, the off chord or the discord. Huh? Sometimes we hear it. Hello. But He delights in our sincere song. Why? Because in sincere singing... We are declaring His glory. We are reaffirming our faith. We are developing our soul. We are energizing our spirit. We are spreading His truth. We are engaging with fellow believers. We are strengthening our resolve. We are worshiping our Savior, edifying our heart, and obeying that book right there. Somebody say, sing it again. Somebody say, sing it again. 
All right, number nine. Let's go. Let's go. Singing imparts spiritual strength for trials. Hmm? Oftentimes we think only of singing when we're happy, when times are good. You got it made in the shade, sipping lemonade. But singing, bringing strength for trials, comes right out of the chapter of Acts 16 where Paul and Silas were unjustly imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. And what did they do while they were there in the prison house? Somebody say they sang. This truth is confirmed in the lives of persecuted believers throughout history from persecutionblog.com. I was reading, hear the words of one pastor who was recently in prison for his faith. And I quote, he said, when we were in prison, we sang almost every day because Christ was alive in us. They put chains on our hands and our feet. They chained us to add to our grief. Yet, we discovered that chains are splendid musical instruments. When we clanged them together in rhythm, we could sing, This is the day, cling clank. This is the day, cling clank. That the Lord hath made, cling clank. That's what he said he was doing to pass the time in prison for the Lord. Listen, our persecuted brothers are showing us the truth that we saw in Acts chapter 16 with Paul and Silas. Listen, singing strengthens us. Helps us persevere in the face of trial. I'm reminded of the old Negro spirituals. Sung by slaves under the oppression of their masters pre-Civil War times. They embody the faith and the heritage of a people who had encountered the dehumanizing effects of slavery and racism. Listen, enslaved for nearly 300 years, the collective creators of those uh, uh, Negro spirituals uh, sang about the suffering they endured. You've heard them. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Swing low, sweet chariot, free at last wade in the water listen despite the overwhelming despair they never lost sight of their faith hmm? and so as preservers of this dynamic faith and heritage those spiritual songs helped sustained the enslaved community they served not only as a means of education and worship these songs served by giving this community a way to express its deepest aspirations for freedom and for social change and although the spirituals recount the brutal realities of slavery, they simultaneously reflect an enduring legacy of hope and resilience and survival and unwavering faith. Yeah, yeah go ahead and check some of them out. A great group of people had learned to sing in spite of their trials. Huh? Somebody say, we can too. We can too. I got to close. But the songwriter penned it this way. Some through the waters. Some through the flood. Remember that one? Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great trials, but God gives a song. Oh, it's in the night season. 
and all the day long. Huh? So even in suffering, we sing. Sis Jones, if you're around here, go ahead and come to the piano. We just might sing in a minute. Writer and Methodist minister Lewis Albert Banks tells of an elderly Christian man known for his fine singing. But one day he learned from his doctor that he had cancer on his tongue. Surgery was going to be required. And in the hospital, after everything was prepped for the operation, the man looks at the surgeon and he says, Are you sure that I'll never be able to sing again? He said the surgeon found it difficult to audibly answer his question. He simply just looked at him and shook his head and said, No, indicated you won't be able to sing again. That brother said, okay, Doc. He said, let me set up a minute, please. He helped him set up, and he said this. He said, I quoted, he said, I've had many good times singing praises. But he says, now you tell me I'll never be able to sing again. He said, I have one song that will be my last. And he said, it will be of gratitude to the Lord. And right there before he went into surgery, he, he sang softly the words of Isaac Watts' hymn that said, I'll praise my maker while I've breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be past. Huh? I'm still going to praise him. It may not sound like it used to sound, but I'm still going to praise Him. Friends, for those of us that's redeemed, listen, our voice don't ever have to be lost. Hello? It may grow weaker. It may become faint. But in singing the praise of Christ our Redeemer, our song will always be worthy. Somebody say worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Revelation chapter 7, 9 and 10, the Apostle John describes a glimpse of eternity with a great multitude of people. He said it's from every tribe, people's language, tongue. And he said they're all gathered around the Lamb. And what are they doing? Singing. Salvation belongeth to our God who sits on the throne Oh, hallelujah. Broadway eternity awaits. And on that day, I'm planning to be among that number. I'm planning to be one in that great multitude that no man can number. What are you going to do? I'm going to sing the song of the Lamb. I said, I'm going to sing the song of the Lamb. How about you? Anybody else want to be there? Anybody? Four people? Five? Oh, some of you are starting to realize what I'm talking about here. How many wants to be there? Amen. Yeah. What a day that's going to be. 
Oh, think about it, church. What did it, we're going to sing to a risen Lamb of God who saved us by His blood, brought us out of every nation, tribe, and people, and will gather us together to be with Him forever. What a day that's going to be. Somebody say, worthy is the Lamb. Now and always. So Psalm 147 began with the phrase, praise the Lord. Notice it ends with the very same praise or phrase, praise the Lord. You think we can stand and do that? You think we can stand as we close and do just what that psalm begins and ends with? Three words, praise the Lord. Anybody want to praise Him with an audible voice? Anybody want to say, Lord, you've been so good to me. While I still have breath in my body, while I still have a tongue in my mouth, I'm going to praise Him. Somebody go ahead and praise Him. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody praise Him. Somebody, somebody get a little happy and praise Him. Somebody worship Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up your voice and praise Him, Broadway. Oh, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Glorious, wonderful is His name. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I said, if you'll just praise Him a little bit more, I believe the Lord will help you fight that battle. I said, He'll help you fight that battle. Oh, hallelujah. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing. It's worth. It sounds like music. I need a couple more musicians up here. The sweetest name on earth. And it's oh, how I loved you. Oh, you love him tonight? Let him know it. Oh, how I Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. To me, he's been wonderful. Oh, to me, he is so wonderful. Yes, to me, he is so wonderful. To me, he is so wonderful because that first verse again it tells us, Oh, there is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its worth. Sounds like music to my ears. The sweetest day. Oh, just worship Him tonight. 